And now. And now. And now. Item. 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 With Tommy Lee. Item. With Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee. Item number 90. I'm Tommy Lee, and this is the Item Podcast. It's something that now only happens whenever I feel like pressing the record button. And today is one of those days. Item. There was news not that long ago about an announcement from the members of my favorite band, Rush, officially announcing their retirement. I, of course, refuse to believe this because I'm convinced that if I ignore the announcement long enough, it might turn out to have just been one big prank. <laughs> huh. However, when the word hit somewhere around the end of January, I decided to listen to every single note of their output in chronological order whenever I went somewhere in the car for totally unrelated reasons, because, again, I, I refuse to believe this whole breakup nonsense. So it took almost a month of 20-minute commutes, many of them made longer thanks to crappy weather in northern Indiana, but I have finally finished it up. This included the first four live albums, including the Grace Under Pressure Tour, and the solo albums that Getty and Alex put out before and after Test for Echo around the time of the band's unfortunate and sadly justifiable hiatus. I excluded the latter live albums because for the most part they're almost identical to each other, and to be honest I had trouble remembering in some cases where they fit in the chronology. Anyway, there were times on the weekend where the beloved Kim was forced to endure this process, and she managed to do this without killing me or spraining her eyes by rolling them too hard. But the majority of the time was just me listening very closely to my favorite band and really absorbing what they were doing from the beginning. And in the process of doing this, I got the idea to rank the studio albums. Part of this decision was based on my recent discovery of a podcast that I won't name here that features two, I think, radio DJs doing an in-depth analysis of every one of Rush's studio albums song by song. Each of the podcasts took about an hour... I'm not going to do that, especially since these two jackasses who claimed to be Rush fans spent most of their time ripping the band, giggling, and just completely shredding their work. That's why I'm not mentioning the name of the podcast. There's no need for any fellow Rush fans to feel the same hate surge through you that I endured while listening to these smug, self-important twerps mispronounce words like Cygnus and not know the names of the songs that they were talking about while they complained that the band didn't sound enough like Bad Company couple of jackasses the nice part is they do seem to have given up after the grace under pressure podcast ah that show literally made me feel musically violent so i'm going to cleanse the palate for myself and in the process do a ratings and here's the caveat this entire podcast and the follow-up will be about the band rush if you aren't a fan you've been warned if you know their work, you might enjoy this. If you enjoy hearing me pontificate about various things, you might enjoy it there as well. So without further ado, let's begin this headlong flight together. Item. What follows is my ranking of every Rush studio album, worst to first, except for feedback. Including feedback makes no sense. It was all covers. It was done for its own sake. It's not their original material, blah, blah, blah. So excluding feedback, that means the band put out 19 studio albums between 1974's eponymous debut and 2012's Clockwork Angels. I will put them in reverse order, give you my thoughts on the best and worst cut on each, plus the hidden gem on the album, in my opinion. And I promise not to spend too long doing it because I don't want to listen to myself talk about Rush for an hour either. 
To make it easier on the ears, I'm also going to split this up. This podcast will take care of albums 19 through 11 in my rankings. The top 10 will be in the next podcast, item number 91. All right, kicking off. At the bottom, I'm sorry, I have to put the debut, Rush. And keep in mind, I love every one of these albums, but, you know, you got to rank them somewhere. Rush the First sounds like it was recorded exactly the way it was recorded. Piecemeal, whenever they could get studio time with little or no thought about production quality or contour. The songwriting is naive, which it would have to be, and I don't fault them that because they were a bunch of young guys. But compared to everything that follows, the debut is clearly the weakest link in their musical chain. The most amusing thing about the album is listening to John Rutsey's original drum parts and comparing them to the versions that we heard later where Neil was playing them. The best song is clearly Working Man. The worst is probably the plotting, ill-advised blues of Here Again. If the album has a hidden gem, it's probably Before and After, which is their adorable attempt at sounding like some of their favorite bands. Number 18, Test for Echo. Despite having one of my favorite Rush songs, Driven, which I would therefore call the best track on it, this album is three or four good songs, followed by a lot of filler. The band was in full showing-off mode on Test for Echo, with the songs mostly flung together to show off how great they were. Usually I'm fine with that from these guys, but there was something bloodless and disorganized about this album for me. They were tired. They needed a break that sadly they were about to get. The hidden gem of the album is probably Time and Motion. The worst song on Time uh, Test for Echo, take your pick. I mean, I never really got into this album, even when there ended up being a six-year wait before they put out another studio release. I just never really gave Test for Echo the time, and every time I did, I was never really that impressed. Numbers 17 through 14 are Power Windows, Hold Your Fire, Presto, and Roll the Bones. What order they're in doesn't really matter. It's the keyboard period. I would probably pick the last two for the higher spots because they were a little more rock. These are the thinner Rush albums, way up in the atmosphere, lacking a lot of the Lifeson guitar punch that always made me pick an album out at random here and listen to it. Uh, Don't Tar Me is one of those Rush fans who hates the keyboard era. There's a lot of it that I like, but for every Marathon, Force 10, Chain Lightning, and Dreamline on these albums... You also have to sit through an Emotion Detector, a Tai Shan, an Anagram for Mongo, and a Face Up. There were songs in these albums that I literally had no recollection of, and I listened to these guys a lot. And by the way, for the record, I've always personally kind of dug the rap section and rolled the bones. It's clever, it's funny, and it was totally unexpected. As for the hidden gems on these four albums, I'll go in chronological order. They would be Marathon, or Territories, which is a fine blueprint and a direct preview of what the next album would sound like. I would say Lock and Key off of Hold Your Fire. Superconductor with its bizarre 7-4 time signature off of Presto. And Where's My Thing from Roll the Bones, the instrumental that I used to use as a music bed when I did the night show on WIRX a long, long time ago. Long, long, long time ago. Again, I don't hate these four albums. I don't hate any Rush albums, but these four, not usually top of mind for me when I reach for one to listen to. Ironically, many of the songs that my wife has always said she enjoys from the band appear on these four albums. Hmm. On we go. Number 13, and this one hurts, Vapor Trails is another one that always failed to land with me at first. It was the comeback. I realize many Rush fans are ready to crucify me for putting this one so low. I will qualify the rating by saying that I have come to appreciate the album a lot more in recent years, 
and the importance of the album's release after the incredible tragedies that befell Neil Peart after the Test for Echo tour cannot be ignored. Vapor Trails is a solid album. It's full of great songs, but there are too many albums from the band that I enjoy more. Something had to be number 13, and it's Vapor Trails. The best song is a toss-up, my personal favorite likely being the title track. If there's a worst song, it's probably Sweet Miracle, which is nice enough, but it never really rang with me. The hidden gem is probably how it is, and the fact that the band dusted it off for the final tour for our 40 is pretty cool. My biggest complaint about the album, and the reason that I rank it so low, really has nothing to do with the songwriting, it has nothing to do with the song structure, it has nothing to do with the song performance, it has everything to do with the production of the LP. It's an over-modulated, over-processed mess. Now, the white cover reissue version supposedly fixed some of that, but admittedly, I don't own that version of the album, and I'm judging it by what I have, the black cover. I feel like I should apologize to the band and Rush Nation, but again, something had to come in 13th, and the overall sound is just so blurry on this sucker that it draws that particular straw. My apologies especially to Gary Hegland. I'm hoping we can still be friends. Number 12, Snakes and Arrows. It's in the 12th spot because, honestly, I don't know where the hell else to put it. I like the album, even though it's likely the one I've listened to the absolute least of all of them. It's their next-to-last studio effort. It has a return to some of their thick, sturdy prog rock roots. It's got some killer cuts on it. Armor and Sword, Working Them Angels, which is my pick for the best cut on the album. Um, the Jam Session, The Main Monkey Business, it's a much deeper album than Far Cry and The Way the Wind Blows. I think The Hidden Gem is probably Faithless, and I don't know that there's really a weakest link here. Maybe Good News First, which has a really weird atonal plod to it. As with Vapor Trails, it's a great album, but again, there are others I like better. And they begin with the last album on this podcast, number 11 on my Rush rankings, Caress of Steel. Yes, I'm putting it way the hell up here at the cusp of the top 10. This early album, their third, which fell on an extremely deaf ear when it came out, is something that I prefer to take for its own merits. Think about it. This is an album recorded by people who were very stoned for people who were very stoned. It's been given a really bad rap for years by critics and fans alike. The second side goes from confusing to even more confusing the more you listen to it. It's hard to say just what exactly the cover depicts. I assume it's the Necromancer and a snake and part of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon cover. Anyway, I admire that the band were able to bounce back from this, their second album of 1975, written during sound checks while forever on tour to unpacked houses across the U.S., and write their first masterpiece, which is what they did right after this album. But to get there, you have to record this album first. The record no one understands. The attempt to be the band, yes, when nobody needs another yes. And despite its myriad shortcomings, Caress of Steel is fun to listen to. It's like pulling out a random chocolate from a sampler box and finding that it has really good pink filling when you were afraid it was going to be that crappy tan maple nougat. So, the hidden gem on the album, and it's a weird one, is Didax and Narpets. For the uninitiated, it's one of the sections of the sprawling source of mirth and mockery, the Fountain of Lamneth. It's less than a minute long, if memory serves. I think it's like 48 seconds. And it's the strangest thing this incredibly strange band has ever recorded. Didax and Narpets. Swear to God. Uh, The worst song is the odd, pretentious journey that is the Necromancer. Just too much Hobbit. Just, Just too much Hobbit. 
And yes, I'll admit that the song sucks, but damn it, I love I Think I'm Going Bald, and I refuse to give it the title of worst song on the album. The best song is clearly Bastille Day. There's no bread, let him eat cake. Item. Next time, my top ten. In the meantime, please go check out my new podcast, The Archive. It's currently two episodes into a piece of original fiction of mine, and I'm having a blast doing it along with my friend Crystal Vivian. And hopefully it shows in our performance. Here is more about it. Yes, an actual commercial for the new podcast. Hello? Sometimes it's a bad idea to curl up with a good book. Les Comptes de René Tablum. A ledger. Jennifer Tor is a young American college student backpacking her way across France in the summer after her sophomore year. While hiding from a storm, she finds a book. Or perhaps the book finds her. You don't remember, do you? You don't remember the whispering? You don't remember anything? This is like three steps forward for you if you get this. Jen, everything okay? File corrupted, unable to display. Oh, come on! So what do we do? What do we do? archive podcast this has been the item podcast which is slowly transitioning into whatever i feel like doing whenever i feel like doing it except for politics i am off that particular teat permanently that milk is way too sour now hopefully you'll stick around for whatever this becomes in the future and still enjoy it it's going to be pretty sporadic but if you follow the item podcast on facebook you will know when it comes out or even better yet subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite pods uh, the Item Podcast has changed quite a bit in the course of 90 episodes. You are more than welcome to go back and listen to the evidence yourself. Hell, you're even encouraged to do that. I will be back with a follow-up to finish this thought sometime in the next couple of days. The top 10 Rush albums, in my opinion, a huge Rush fan, are yet to come. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. Please pass a link to your friends who love the band Rush and throw me some feedback, no pun intended, wherever you listen to this or on Facebook. Now, march out to Bastille Day. This has been Item with Tommy Lee. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.